Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. And the scripture that God highlighted to me was in the book of Revelation. And we like to always read the back of the book to find out how good it gets. <laughs> Revelation 21, and verse 1, And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. And I saw the city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven, made ready as a bride adorned for a husband. I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is amongst men. He shall dwell amongst them, and they shall be his people, and God himself will be among them. He shall wipe away every tear from their eyes. There shall be no death. There should be no longer any mourning, crying, or pain. The first things have passed away. And he who sits upon the throne said, Right, for these words are faithful and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And I will give to the one who thirsts from the spring of water of life without cost. In the next chapter, the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, without cost and drink. How many are quite dry? Does anyone feel? It says, living water shall flow out of innermost being. God has created a new heaven and a new earth. This world as we know it is going, going, gone. Three of you agree with that. Um, I've been traveling for 40 years and my wife and I have been married for 34 years. And so I'm just going to ask my dear wife, we're still on honeymoon. <laughs> Thank God for COVID. <laughs> just the two of us. <laughs> Marriage gets better, guys. You might go through the fire and suffering, but it's worth it to become one. And love is incredibly important. You want someone who loves you, don't you? Not just cohabits. We want someone who loves you. And my wife loves me, and I love her. So, Lord, thank you that you are love itself. And, God, the truth is that you want to be married to us. And that's mind-blowing. God, I pray that you would so settle upon us now that you would enlarge our capacity to even perceive and grasp the enormity of who you are. And as Ian shares his story tonight, Lord, I pray that people wouldn't just hear it. It's not just a good story. I pray that you open their eyes to see you in all your glory and all your splendor. Because nobody can love you like Jesus. Nobody ever will. His grace, his love, his mercy yeah. has no measure. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> it talks about eternal love, everlasting arms. Love is the greatest. God is love and perfect love casts out all fear tell you what when god comes all the fear has to go when his love touches you just one touch from god is better than a lot of information just one touch one encounter will change you forever my wife at the age of six had an encounter with the lord and never turned away from jesus at that point her testimony is more powerful than mine it's the keeping power of a holy God. Wow. How would you like to walk through life without really messing up? <laughs> How many are train wrecks? <laughs> what a holy bunch of Melbourne people. <laughs> Flipping liars. <laughs> How many have been there and done that? Two of you. What a waste of time. <laughs> I was the other end of the spectrum. How many have been there and done that? Yeah. Six of you, all in the back row. Fabulous. <laughs> <laughs> I was raised up in a traditional stand-up, sit-down church, look at the stained glass windows, 
And my mother had a faith that I couldn't kind of, I could see it was real, but I could never seem to connect. When I prayed, my prayer seemed to go up, come back down, nothing there. I remember when I walked away from church at the age of 14, I thought, well, it must be for old ladies and mother. She said, Ian, no matter what you do in your life, no matter how far from God you may go, son, if you call out to God from your heart, God will hear you and God will forgive you. Do you understand, son? I said, Mother, I do. Thank you for not forcing your religion and belief on me. I'm never coming back to church, but thank you for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> Unless my grandmother was in the choir, would grab me on Easter or Christmas. But for me, I'd been there and done that. I had looked. It wasn't there. Nothing had happened. And so I knew, that to, my, to my understanding, there was no other alternative. But thank God there is a living God. And um, the encounter that happened to me transformed me forever. So I think we'll try the PowerPoint, see if it works. Does it work? I mean, don't you love... There we go, good. Oh, there we are. (laughs) She's on my phone too as my screensaver. (laughs) I get as many photographs of her as fish. Hopefully more of her. (laughs) So I come from heaven on earth. Victoria? No, no. (laughs) Just a few travel slides make you jealous. It's amazing how God does an incredible, um, beautiful creation that man can't even come near. The colors, the depth, the beauty, the change is, is absolutely extraordinary. And as I've traveled the world for the past 40 years... What struck me is that there are regions that are like paradise, what the Garden of Eden must have looked like at some stage. But somehow we are kind of messing it up. These are all near home. This is where I live. It's called the Mount. Um, Lots of dolphins just off us, fishing in the harbour, a few lobster craze. We call them shrimps in New Zealand for the Aussies. (laughs) Good surf, raglan, endless summer. Any surfers? Oh no, what a waste. <laughs> Bowels talk him, hey, you got some of the best in the world. So here I am, I'm surfing, the age of 24, uh, it was 1980, and decided to travel around the world surfing. So I took my boards and took off. My mother thought I was married to them, she was right. <laughs> I used to call the surfing girlfriends surfing widows. After two years of surfing around Mauritius, Reunion, South Africa, um, Indonesia, Bali, I ended up in an island called Mauritius. This island was just off Madagascar, great left-hand barrel. I lived with the local Rastafarians, Peter Tosh, Bob Mali. They said, don't worry, man, be happy. <laughs> Smoke more hashish. <laughs> and of course, none of you have done that, so that's fine, we'll move on. It's only the Corumban Mushroom Boys and the Mullamovie Madness crew up in Nimbin Sinbin, anyhow. So here I am. Yeah. Bong on Australia, bong on. That was, the, that was all we had in those years, mate. Every time we come over here, everyone was pulling bongs. You're a very um, well-behaved people. Do you realise you have to figure out you're a sinner before you need a saviour? You've got to know you've got a problem. How many have got a few problems? Anyone got a few problems? <laughs> no, obviously not. I looked at my wife. She said, no, you are a problem, mate. <laughs> so anyhow, I'm living on this island. I've been two years of traveling. My brother said, come back for his wedding. He's in Fremantle at the time. Got out of the army. He's gone back to New Zealand for the wedding. So I'm flying back from Mauritius. And I thought, one last dive, night dive. And night dive, the craze come out. You blind them with your torchlight, it's like you're hunting, and um, the crabs would come out. And as it dropped in the ocean, it was 19th of April, 1982, a whole bunch of jellyfish, but like a kiwi, had no clue that they were box jellyfish. Kiwis don't know about snakes, you know what I mean? When they see when they're terrified, because we have none. And when you see a huntsman walk across the roof, you just about jump through the window. So we have no idea about all this stuff, but you guys seem to have a fair few deadly things. And one of them is this, isn't it? The box jellyfish. I'd heard about it, never seen a photograph, 
It was 1982. There was no internet. Um, we had to read encyclopedias to, to see things. <laughs> and so I'd never seen a photograph of one. I was hit by five of them. My arm went up like Popeye, and it looked as though I'd been burnt underwater. My skin was literally blistered. The Creole fisherman saw me, the Rastafari, and said, When you see a black Rastafarian turn white, <laughs> it's not too good for the honky, mate. <laughs> Especially when you pull a lot of bongs with them, and then they're telling you you're going to die. So Simon said, Allez, allez, vite moi, cut from a hospital, allez. They dragged me into the fishing boat, and as they did, I said, Simon, come with me. He said, Yeah, no motor, you die, let the boy take you to shore. Big mistake. Child took me to shore. As I'm pulling away from the reef, I said, What can I do for my arm? He said, Urinate, pee on your arm. I heard the Aussie lifeguards had used vinegar as a bush medicine. I thought, Urine, maybe it works, who knows, who cares, just pee on your arm, mate. So I peed on my arm, which we weren't going to detail, hit the beach. <laughs> stood up and collapsed. This particular poison, as you well know, is a neurotoxin. Its toxicity is so powerful, if I'd been hit in the throat, I mostly could have just died in the water, two or three minutes later. Hit on the extremity, it can be 10, 15, 20 minutes. Everyone reacts differently, is that right? Everyone, some can go real quick, a bee sting can kill them. Other people are a little bit tougher. I was 26 years of age, um, Peak physical condition. Now I have peaked since then, but you know. <laughs> so here I am. I am dying, falling onto the beach. The kid's dragging me out of the boat up the sandy beach. And then he panics. And he said to me, um, my brother, mon frère sur la plage, they die. I said, no, ambulance, gendarme, telephone. The kid's freaking out because he's left his brother on the reef. And he jumps into the boat and leaves me. I'm half paralyzed, feeling incredibly tired, and begin to lie down on the side of the road and close my eyes. As my eyes begin to shut, I hear the audible voice of a man next to me. He said, son, if you close your eyes, you will never awake again. Startled by this voice, I look, but there's no one there. I thought, what the heck? Where the heck did he go? You know, I'm going, what was that audible voice? I now know it to be God. The Bible says that my sheep hear my voice. But I was what you call a black sheep. Any black sheep sneaking here tonight? No. It's amazing how they've got a flippant opinion about the church and Christians outside, but in here they become little sheep with their little halo. Are you looking at me? So here I am. I'm dying, and I've got a voice speaking to me. I found out later Jesus goes looking for what? The lost sheep. He goes looking for the black sheep. Isn't that incredible? Yeah. That even while we're sinners, he still loves us and he's trying to save us. So I've got someone I don't believe in and his name is used on a daily basis in cursing. What's fascinating is not beep, beep, Buddha or beep, beep, Krishna or Kalima. It's beep, beep, Jesus. So here I am. I'm dying. I've got a man talking to me who's outside of me, sparing my life. I stood up and as I um, hobbled down the road, um, I saw three East Indian taxi drivers. These men thought I was drunk. I showed them my arm, told them what had happened, and I said, I need to get to the hospital in Catrabon. They said, how much money will you pay us? I said, I'm dying. They said, yeah, how much money? I said, 50 bucks, 100 US. They said, we take you. Let me see your money. How many know you don't carry 100 US in your back pocket night diving? So I said, sorry, I don't have the money on me. All three Indian taxi drivers walked away. I thought, what the heck do I do now? Then I heard this man's voice behind me. He said, son, are you willing to beg for your life? I thought, beg for your life? That's a brilliant idea. I hadn't thought of it. <laughs> so I'd been around the world. I'd seen men beg. Yes, and boss. I'd seen people taking baked bean cans and selling them, soldering on handles. I'd seen people wash plastic bags and... And, and make money off it. So I fell to my knees. It gets a bit harder as you get older, but we're down here. And um, as I fell to my knees, I bowed my head like I'd seen the Zulu do in KwaZulu-Land and bowed my head and begged. As I'm begging, two men walk. The third young man stops and without a word walks directly towards me, helps me into his taxi. I thank this young Indian taxi driver. 
we began racing towards the hospital. He then said, what's your hotel room, Noah? I, I, I get the money from you. I said, I don't stay in a hotel. He said, you lied to me, you tourist. I said, Sir Fee, traveler, I live in Tamron Bay. He said, you stay in the Tamron Bay Hotel. I said, no, I don't. He said, well, you not pay me. I take you to the tourist hotel. They take care of you. Oh, I'm not going any further. Pulls in front of the hotel, tells me to get out, try and get out. The poison has now brought both legs completely numb. I said, mate, I can't walk. He opened the door, pushed me straight out. As I'm lying on the ground, I'm thinking, as the guy drives off, who'd want to live on this planet? Mate, if your number's up, do yourself a favour. But as I lay there, amazingly enough, the security guards in the hotel saw the taxi. One of them was one of my drinking buddies, Danielle. He was a Creole fisherman, as a night diver, as well as to pay for his family. He did security. He walks out, finds me in a crumple. He said, man, what happened to you? I never see you like that, brother. What you do? You could see his teeth. He's smiling away. <laughs> he saw my arm. Instantly, he said, on visage, pas bon, c'est fini. Grabs me in his arms and carries me to the hotel. The Chinese that own the hotel are playing mahjong. My friend drops me in a chair next to them. He said, oh, you're drunk, you're drunk. And I said, no, jellyfish, deadly, killing me, have to go to the hospital. Show them my scarred arm. The young one stood up and he said, oh, silly boy. How come you put a needle in the arm? What you do like that? I, uh, old men take opium with pipe. Why, why, why you put needle in the arm, stupid white boy? And I thought, thank you very much, Dr. Wong. How many think things but don't say them? <laughs> of course you do. So I'm thinking, this guy sees the marks and thinks what? Mainline inheritance, smack. I'm shooting it up. So from a distance, he could have mistaken that. I thought, what on earth do I do now? Where's Danielle? Well, I'm flipping dying here. Next minute, my hand began to shake. My jaw began to smash into it. My whole body went into the death rattles. Have you ever seen someone have a grand seizure? It's pretty scary. Well, my body is going into what appears to be like an epileptic fit, but it's not. It's, it's the poison. The three men stop their mahjong game, try and hold me down. I'm throwing them off. As I'm coming down, as quickly as it started, it stopped. And then I went from burning hot, like someone had put a branding iron on my arm, to ice cold. I found a, a terrible death into my bone marrow, an icy cold death. I said, I'm freezing. Can you please get blankets? I'm freezing to death. Th two, all three men ran. Two came back with blankets and wrapped me up. The, young, the older man came back with a glass of milk. I thought, what's he doing with a glass of milk? Then he opens my mouth and tries to pour it down my throat. He's thinking I've ingested a toxin. And of course, it's wise to use milk to nullify it. I said, sir, I don't need milk. It's in my blood system. I have to get to the hospital with antiserum. I check out his Mercedes-Benz in the car park. I said, your car, can you take me to the hospital now or I'll die in front of you? He looked at his Mercedes, put his hand on my shoulder. He said, oh, my car? No, no, no. Cannot take my car. How come you're so worried, uh, white boy? Wait for ambulance for you. Don't worry. Be happy. <laughs> you ever felt like rearranging someone's face? <laughs> Christians turn the other. Non-Christians don't do that. He was in striking distance for me to hit him. Trouble is, my right hand wouldn't move, was paralyzed. So I tried my left hand. I thought, well, I'm not a southpaw, no use giving him an uppercut, but I could grab his shirt, rip him into my forehead, and give him a headbutt. Very genteel people. So I'm just about to rearrange his face and teach him a lesson, humanity, what not to do with a dying man. As I'm about to do this, this voice speaks to me again. Son, this is the third time, son, if you hit him, the toxin's so close to your heart, the adrenal rush will kill you. I thought, shoot, who's this flipping voice? And I thought, well, if I whack him, I could die. I thought, well, I could control my anger, look away and get him later. <laughs> Plan B. Turned away, and to my amazement, flying into the car park, an ambulance. Danielle appears out of the reception. I realize he's rung his hospital. 
the Creole Hospital. He grabs me and carries me into the ambulance. As we're racing towards the hospital, I begin to see like a video clip of This Is Your Life. As I'm watching this, I thought, mate, this happens before people snuff it. I've heard about this. I thought, what happens if I, if I carked it tonight? What happened if I died? Well, I don't know. Is there life after death? I thought, well, I'll soon find out. <laughs> and I thought, well, there's, maybe there's nothing. I don't know. I thought, well, as an atheist, I believe there was nothing. But as a gambler, I'd been wrong before. <laughs> the gambler said, son, there are a few choices out there. <laughs> a few isms. Darwinism. Buddhism, Taoism, humanism, existentialism, Catholicism. How many knows a few choices? How would you like to know the truth if you're about to die? So I'm lying here thinking, I have no idea. I'm not afraid to die. We'll soon find out if there's life after death. No idea. Next minute, unbeknown to me on the other side of the world, one person had just seen my face. My mother told me later she saw my eyes were bloodshot. I said, well, that was no unusual occurrence, mother. They were like roadmaps most days. But anyhow... She then heard the audible voice of God say, your outer son Ian is, is nearly dead, pray for him now. Wow. What's amazing I've found is I've, I've talked around the world, mothers seem to have a, a sense when th- things are wrong. Any mothers here understand what I'm saying? How many know men wouldn't have a clue what's going on? Have <laughs> <laughs> a flipping clue, mate. My dad didn't have a clue what was going on. Mother's running to the bedroom, dropping on her knees and starting to pray. My mother used to pray every day for us. Yeah. I mean, when you have kids, you do start praying. You may not believe in it, but you do. And so here I am, I'm dying, and my mother's on the other side of the world praying, and she's the only believer in her family. Now, I try to convert her away from that many times. Thank God she didn't listen to me. Next minute, mother, how many know you can look at someone and see just a character just speaks about them? Yeah, yeah. Oh, my God, I'm sorry, I just saw her. <laughs> we just buried mum. 90 years of age. She fell asleep and woke up in eternity. What a way to go. Wouldn't that be a nice way to go? This dear woman has prayed so many people into the kingdom. And I was one of her first. And the reason why you're here tonight, maybe there's nothing decent on TV, is because someone prayed for you. I'm here because someone loved me and was willing to pray. Thank God for praying, mums, I tell you. I just hope some of the men get it, you know. Let me know that is a miracle. So here I am, I'm dying. Mum looks at me and she said, Ian, no matter how far from God you may be, flashback, 14-year-old boy, no matter what you've done wrong, Ian, if you call out to God from your heart, he will hear you, he'll forgive you. I'm no longer an innocent 14-year-old boy. I'm a 26-year-old man, and I'm in serious trouble. I have committed a lot of sins. How many have committed a lot of sins? We're talking, no, you've got paralyzed arms, some of you. <laughs> you know where the liars go? <laughs> so I'm going, mate, I've done a heap of stuff. How could God forgive me? I said, Mum, nah, too late. Hypocrite if I prayed, having denied him and cursed him all my life. It would be a hypocrite turning to God in my dying seconds. Did my mother listen to that? No, she kept praying. (laughs) She said, Ian, God will forgive you. I thought, Mother, which one? Who's God? Everyone thinks their God's the right one. I said, God, if you exist, show me, and I will pray. I need to see your face to believe. As I lay there, no one turned up except Mother. I thought, well, Mother's not God. Act like it sometimes, but here I thought, Mother, Mother believes in Jesus. It's who she prays to. Could Mother be right? How many hate it when someone else is right and not you? So I lay there and thought, Well, Mother prays to Jesus. Her life reflects something that's very, very precious. She's got an incredible amount of love. She cries at soap operas. I mean, there has to be a God. So I'm lying here. She said, oh, that poor girl, she had such a hard time. And I'm thinking, Mother, it's a soap opera. (laughs) Yes, but I felt sorry for her. (laughs) 
You can think it's naivety or it's just the softness and gentleness of a person's soul. And she had that. And I thought, Mother, you taught me the Lord's Prayer. That's Christian. Maybe that'll work. How many have prayed the Lord's Prayer? A couple of you? So I lay there and I tried to pray. My mind went completely blank. How many have had that in exam rooms? You go, what the heck is this? I should have stayed surfing. (laughs) And so I lay there and I couldn't remember a syllable. My mother said, Ian, do not pray from your head. Call out to God from your heart. I thought, Mum, my heart's like stone. It's so cynical. It's so unbelieving. I said, but God, if you do exist, if you can hear or see anything good in my heart of stone, help me to pray. I can't remember the Lord's Prayer. Instantly, words of light appeared in front of me. Forgive us our trespasses and sins. I thought, well, that's not the beginning of it. What's he talking about? Straight away, sins. It's interesting, isn't it? But I thought, that's in the prayer. I said, God, I don't know how I could say these simple words, forgive me my sins, and you forgive them all. Surely I've got to do something. I thought, well, I've got, I can't do anything. I'm nearly dead. I thought, I can't list them too many. So I just said, God, please forgive me. Words has appeared, fresh words come up. Forgive those who have trespassed and sinned against you. I thought, I'm not vindictive by nature. I'm fairly laid back. Yeah, I can forgive anyone. No matter what they've done to me, I forgive them. The moment I said that, the face of the Indian taxi driver appeared in front of me. <laughs> I thought, what the, is he doing here? The voice said, will you forgive this man for pushing you out of his taxi tonight and leaving you for dead in front of the hotel? I thought, you must be joking. How many can trigger quite quickly? How many are in touch with their anger? Up come the Chinese hotel owner. The don't worry, be happy boy. The voice said, will you forgive this man for not taking his car tonight and leaving to die in the hotel? I thought, no, I had other plans for them. I was going to lay my hands upon them. But not like the vicar and the priest. Oh, God bless you, my son. <laughs> so I'm lying here dying, thinking of what I could do to them. And I've got a voice who I've heard on the beach. I've heard begging for your life. If you hit the man, you'll die. Now, fourth time, this voice is attaching himself with the Lord's Prayer. How many know it takes a while for men to join the dots? I thought that could be Almighty God. That's certainly not my thought. That's not what I want to do. I could be talking to a person called God, and I realize it's in a catch-22 situation. If I didn't forgive them from my heart, I'd get no more of the prayer. In fact, Jesus taught his disciples, if you don't forgive others their sins, your sins will not be forgiven. That means your unforgiveness and bitterness and revenge will nullify your repentance. How many know that would save a lot of um, counseling? I hear many people say, God, forgive me of my sins, and we spend the next 30 years in church trying to get them to forgive others. Well, actually, the Lord's Prayer said, if you don't forgive others, you're not forgiven. Fairly good incentive. (laughs) So I forgave them. Their faces instantly disappeared. Fresh words came up. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I thought, well, so far I'm independent, self-sufficient, proud of it. I do it my own way. To do what God's doing up in heaven, well, that's totally different. I have no idea what he's doing. How many know there's a disparity between what God's doing in heaven tonight and what you're doing here on earth? Who needs to change? Who have tried to change with New Year's resolution that didn't work? (laughs) But thank God, God gives the power for change. So I said, God, I don't know you will. I've never surrendered my life to you, but I need an absolute miracle. I will seek your will. I give my entire life to you, and I'll follow you all the days of my life if you can get me through this experience. Next minute, the whole of the Lord's Prayer appeared in me. This is before Star Wars. <laughs> Once upon a time in the far, far galaxy, you know what I mean? So I've got the whole Lord's Prayer appearing in front of me I am absolutely blown out. The Bible says his word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. All his word is truth, and the entry of his word brings light. And his truth sets you free. I had never read one of these things. That's something that the priest did behind a wooden rail with the stained glass windows. I'm now dying, and the Lord's Prayer is appearing, and for the first time, the age of 26, I get it. I surrender my life to the Lord, and an extraordinary peace enters my heart, which has not left me in 40 years. Jesus said, I'm the Prince of Peace. Peace I give you, 
not of this world. We tried some of the Alan Parsons stuff and sat under pyramids. Guess what? Jesus gives you the peace. Everything in that ambulance went into slow motion. I'd realized I'd been in a car wreck years before and time seemed to slow down as we went. So I realized that God gives more grace in their dying seconds than perhaps your entire life. So don't give up on people. One guy said, well, head-on collision, instantaneous, no chance to pray. Uh Uh-uh. Matrix, Neo. How'd you like to dodge the bullet? <laughs> Mr. Smith, I presume. So here I am. I've just dodged a bullet and got what? Incredibly saved. And I thought, I wonder how many men, total heathen like me, figure it out just before they die. Yeah. You might be shocked. He might have a thousand people that hate him and wish him dead. But one praying mother, guess who's God going to listen to? To yeah. so stop cursing people and pray for them. And when they get it, guess what? The hardest of men, I've been in some of the maximum security prisons in Route 66 up in Kingsway. I've seen whole two wings of hardened men fall on their knees and weep. Because God touched them. These men were killers. These men hated people. But guess what? Most of them had a praying mum too. Thank God for that. So here I am, I'm having the prayer, suddenly the doors open in the ambulance, and I'm literally raced into the hospital. They try and take my blood pressure, no pulse, try another machine, no pulse, and it's what's called a crash mode. I'm a consultant, I've done veterinary science, I'm earning 400 bucks an hour, and I am now dying, figuring out how I die, it doesn't help. Doctors put antiserum, dextrose, I said, do not close your eyes, you will die. I'd heard that on the beach. So I'm lying there, trying to stay alive. I think, I can't keep my eyes open. I must have a power nap. Anyone done a power nap? I'm powered off for six or seven hours. So I close my eyes. As I, as I close them, suddenly the machine's monitoring my vital signs, flatlines. Well, because it was a neurotoxin, right at that point of death, I was pronounced brain dead. If you drown, have a heart attack, they can keep, the heart can be dead, but they can keep the brain alive with oxygen. But neurotoxin actually takes out the central cortex, takes it right out. The central nervous system's gone. So at death, uh, they didn't bother trying to start my heart. Pointless. I was dead at the point of cessation of life. In an instant, I found myself amazingly come out of my body. How many have heard of people looking down upon their corpse? They can see what's going on, tell you what they hear, and they're eight to ten feet above it. How many heard of this stuff? What did Jesus say about it? He said, I am the resurrection of the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, yet they shall live. What was dead? The physical body. King Solomon in Ecclesiastes 12 said, Ash to ash, dust to death. The vessel is a clay vessel, but the spirit leaves the body. If you've ever seen a dead corpse, you can actually just look and there's no life in them. The person you knew is no longer there. So to my amazement, I was alive yet dead. How many of that would freak you out? freak a lot of non-Christians out too. So in a split second, I'm out of my body and I am finding myself in complete darkness. I thought, what happened? Did I die? I thought I did, but I'm alive. Maybe they've had a power cut. (laughs) How many know you go to sleep? Not sure. I thought it could have been a few hours. So I turned around. I'm a night diver, so I'm letting my eyes adjust to the darkness. I thought, mate, it's pretty dark. I wonder where the light switch is. Reach out to my right, couldn't find a wall. I thought, where's my bed? Should be a lamp near it. Oh, great, you've lost your bed, you idiot. (laughs) How'd you do that? So I'm groping around trying to touch something, and I thought, well, it's so dark, you can't see your hand in front of your face. So I bring my hand up to my face, and it goes straight through my face. Although that's impossible, you can't miss your face. (laughs) Two hands. (laughs) Have you seen those sobriety things, you know? Touch your nose, son, you know? Well, I thought, my God, I'm, I'm two hands. So I go for it, my, my hands go straight through my head. So I thought, well, you can't miss your chest. Both hands straight through it. I thought, well, you can't miss your hands, both hands straight through each other. I thought, that's impossible. How can you feel you're there, but when you go to touch it, there's no physical body? Then I remember grandfather fought in Gallipoli and fought against Rommel. Too young in the first world, too old in the second. 
he would visit men after the war. Some of them had legs missing. The old boy said, scratch my foot, sonny. No leg. And I, as a kid, didn't understand what was going on. Grandfather said, this is what they call phantom pain. They feel the limb is still there. Does that make sense? Do you realize your spiritual body is more real than your physical? You've been built to live for eternity. But your physical body is dying. So I'm finding to my amazement, I'm very much alive. I can think, I can relate, I can actually rationalize, I can feel, everything's there. Trouble is it's pitch black so I can't see. Then I thought, where am I? What is this place? Then I heard a man to my right say, shut up! I thought I said, nothing. What are you flipping talking about? Another man, you deserve to be here. I said, deserve to be where? Another man, you're in hell. Now shut up. I thought, well, if this is hell, where's the party place, mate? As a non-Christian, everything you can't do up here, you can do down here and get away with. I beat the mosh party, sex and drugs and rock and roll. Shows you my age. How many know it'd be very hard to have sex? Can't touch this. Some of you old enough to know what I just said? Hmm. Can moonwalk on that one, buddy. Nothing there. Shock horror. Very hard to do what? Hurt someone? Very hard to get drunk? Wrap your laughing gear around that one, son. So I'm standing here going, oh my goodness sake, this is a different hell from what I presented from the heathens. No Harleys. And then I'm thinking to myself, well, the religious people said it's little boys with horns, red jumpsuits, trident pitchfork, put another one on the barbie. Come on. Hell's pizzas. So I'm thinking, where's the fire? Where's the rotting corpses? Where's all that? I thought, well, there's no rotting corpse here. My rotting corpse is back in the hospital where I just died. But how many know we have desires of the flesh? Galatians 5 says we have the desires of morality, adultery, licentiousness, anger, hatred, murder. These are in the man's heart. This is the fruit of the flesh. But what happens when you've got no physical body to fulfill it? That's why when they say the worm will not devour the flesh, it's a metaphor, it's not literal. You don't have maggots trying to crawl over bodies. It's the actual fact that you cannot fulfill the desires of your wicked, ungenerated heart. You can't hurt anyone. You can't enjoy any of the lusts of the flesh. You are a spiritual being out of their body and your own spirit darkness has judged you there. Does that make any sense? And I thought, where the heck's the fire? Welcome to the fire. How many have heard all this stuff? Well, I'd never read a Bible. The Bible actually says God is an all-consuming fire. It says the Christians are to be baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire. It also says that Lucifer and the Antichrist and the beast and, and hell itself will be cast into a lake of fire. What happens when Lucifer gets in there? Is he a happy camper? The Bible says he's tormented by it, which means Lucifer hates the fire. So who created the lake of fire? God. God led the children of Israel by a pillar of fire. When Elijah prayed, fire came from where? Heaven. When Sodom and Gomorrah got torched, where did the fire come from? Heaven. God sits in Daniel 7 upon a throne of fire. There's a river of fire flowing beneath him. Jesus' eyes are a flame of? Who owns the fire? Who's the prince of darkness? Darkness is the absence of what? Light. I'm standing there and going, you wouldn't want your worst enemy to come here. This is a different hell from anything I've ever heard. Complete darkness, spiritual being, held in here until the day of judgment. How many know there's a day of judgment? How many have heard that death and Hades will be cast into the lake of fire? So I'm standing here going, well, God has every reason to send me here. How many deserve to go to hell? Three of you. How many have told others to go there? <laughs> and you don't believe in it. My grandfather said there are no atheists in battle, son. So what do you mean, granddad? He said either they're praying to God, who they believe in, or they're cursing to God, who they say they don't believe in. There's no atheist. So as I'm standing here, suddenly pure light pierces into the darkness. How many have seen sunlight come through? onto the lakes, onto the rivers. 
and the natural is like in the supernatural, pure white light pierced. What does darkness do when light comes into it? It has to flee. What's more powerful, darkness or light? Light shines in the darkness and the darkness flees. This light touched me. As it touched me, my whole body felt weightless and I began to lift up into the light. As I'm going up into this light, I'm thinking, this light beam me up, Scotty. What's going on here? I look back and I can see the darkness far beneath me. Then I remember the Sunday school story of Sodom and Gomorrah where the angel said, when I deliver you from these two wicked cities, don't you dare look back, lest you die. And guess what yours truly's doing? Looking back. Let me know that's not smart. Let me know, fix your eyes. You know? So I fixed my eyes upon this radiance. I saw this kingdom of darkness is enormous, but there was a tunnel above me where the light was, the source of the light was coming from. So I was being drawn at the speed of light towards this tunnel. I, I suddenly entered it, realized it was long and narrow, and at the far end was a kingdom of light. How many have heard that there are two kingdoms? And there is one passageway. Someone called Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. In my amazement, I'm traveling down a narrow passageway towards the light. I mean, I'm going the right direction. Yeah. Do you realize in that ambulance, I call Jesus Lord and Savior? The Lord's my shepherd. I shall not want. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil. I don't believe that when most Christians die, they go through this darkness. But I think God just got me. Does that make sense? He wanted to give me a little bit of an idea where I've been saved from. But thank God, greater is He within me than is in the world. Nothing can separate us from God's love. Nothing. Principalities, powers, Lucifer, darkness, demons, nothing can separate me from God's love. Greater is He within me. I'm now moving at the speed of light towards the source of light. Waves of light come up towards me. The first wave, comfort. Now I tried southern comfort, a few different comforts. <laughs> This was a living emotion. Next wave of light, I felt incredible peace. I thought, that's incredible. I've looked for peace of mind. I turned my head to the right. I thought, in the darkness, I couldn't see my hand. It was literally, it went through my face. As I turned my head, I saw my hand, transparent, full of light. How many have heard that in a moment we should be changed? Yeah. Mortality will take on immortality first the natural then the heavenly first the earthly then the spiritual but we shall be changed i'm now seeing my spiritual hand and it has got no physical form other than it looks like a hand with fingers but it's a spiritual being of light flesh and blood will not inherit the kingdom of god but we shall be changed now i hadn't read a bible how many know it's really amazing when you read it later I move further down, another wave of light hits me, this time joy. I was blown out. I came out, of the, came out of the tunnel and the radiance just filled the heavens. I thought this surely must be where all the galaxies, the entire cosmos must find its energy and source from this light. What the heck is it? Is this some innate power of good in the universe or is there someone in the light? As I questioned it, a man from the center of the light called me by name and said, Ian, do you wish to return? How many know that answered the question? I said, how do you know my name? Return where? So look behind me. Here is a tunnel dissipating back into hell. I thought, hell, hospital bed. My goodness sake, am I actually dead, traveled through Hades, standing before a beam of light and asking me if I want to go back into it? Or am I lying in a hospital bed, tripping out of my skull on endorphins, starvation of oxygen, and I'm getting some whacked out kind of thing? Can only be one of the two. Little did I realize it moved my dead corpse into the morgue. How many know that doesn't look like it's near death? No matter which way you try and enunciate it, either they're dead or not. How many hope the doctors have figured that one out? That's why the doctors might use the word life after death, because if they do, they have to actually enunciate the fact there could be something outside their natural realm. So they call all these experiences NDEs, near death, which makes the incredible assumption and arrogance that they're not dead. They call them NDEs. What happens when you're actually stone cold dead? 
So if you see something outside of that, that means there's life after death. And to my amazement, I'm responding to a being of light, asking me if I want to go back into it. I said, I have no idea where I am. If I'm dead out of my physical body, I wish to return. He said, Ian, if you return, you must see in a new light. I thought, light, see the light. Are you the true light? Instantly he spoke, Ian, God is light. And in him there is no darkness at all. 1 John 1, 5. I thought, that's an incredible statement. What is it? I know it's from the Bible. God is what? I thought, I'm just seeing pure light. I've just come from darkness, and the men down there called it hell. How many have seen the yin and yang one? They made light and darkness equal and opposite. In the darkness, they put a dot of light, possible. But in the light, they put a dot of darkness, absolutely impossible. I had it on my surfboard, town and country stickers. Yin and yang stuff. In a second, I had New Age teaching, esoteric teaching, which I'd been looking at, obliterated in a split second by the truth. God is what? Light. So I'm thinking, I see no darkness, but surely I must be casting a shadow. So I look behind me, and to my amazement, there was no shadow. Why? I had no physical body. I had a spiritual body of light. The light of his presence and glory was shining through it and casting no shadow. You can look at the Vedic, the Sanskrit, the Quran, the Bhagavata, and this is the only book on the planet that tells you this truth. Come on. How many have gone down a few pathways, mate? Yin and yang stuff, astral travel. How many sat under a few different things? So I'm to my amazement finding that I'm standing before a person called Almighty God. How many be a little bit troubled? How many have heard that nothing's hidden from him? (laughs) He sees the intent and motivation of your heart and all your sins are laid bare. How many feel uncomfortable? (laughs) Well, I did. I thought obviously someone's pressed the wrong button and beamed this boy up by mistake. I should crawl under some rock and get back into hell very quickly before someone figures it out. Or it's no use coming in, tasting of it, then they realize they got the wrong man and chuck me out. So I self-judged. The Bible says men hate coming to the light, lest their evil deeds are exposed. So I'm moving back from the light. As I'm moving back towards the tunnel to judge myself back into Hades, waves of light pursue me. I'm expecting to be the wrath, the anger of God. Guess what hits me? Pure, unconditional love and acceptance. I'm going, you what? You can't love me. I've cursed you. More love. I thought, well, I've broken all these commandments. Well, almost. (laughs) How many broken a few of the commandments? How many thought, if you're going down for one, you might as well go down for a few more? (laughs) Why play with it? You know what I mean? You might as well go the whole hog. Some of you. Some of you got to get wholehearted. So I'm standing there. Waves of light are hitting me. The presence of God's coming into me. I'm telling them I've taken drugs, I've slept around. Everything I'm telling them, response, pure love, it intensifies. Then God speaks to me, said, son, in that ambulance when you prayed, I forgave all your sins. Come on. How'd you like all your sins taken out? This is called amazing grace in it. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. I'm standing there as white as snow. That's called grace, man. I am absolutely overwhelmed. I feel the light fill me up with pure love, and it's overflowing. And I open my eyes. I'm encased in pure light and love. God is? God is glorified. Holy Spirit glorifies the Son. The Holy Spirit gives off love, peace, joy, taste and see. I'm standing in what's called the outer courts. All men fall short of the glory. I haven't even got in yet. I'm just in the outer courts. And what does the Holy Spirit do? He prepares you to meet the Lord. How many know he's got to do a fair amount of healing? (laughs) So I walk in closer into the light, a bit different from Avatar. (laughs) I walk in... And the light is literally coming into my spirit body and healing my broken heart. How many have had your heart broken, trashed and cut up and lacerated? How many have looked for love and got lust, sensuality and passion? 
and a guilty conscience. So I'd look for love and got everything but love. I'm now walking into pure love and the Lord's healing my broken heart. I began crying even more. But not because I was sad, but because I was happy. I didn't know you could have that emotion. The Spirit of the Lord is upon Jesus to do what? Heal the broken hearts. You know what your identity is in? Him. You can look for love with a bunch of different people, mate, but there's one person, God, who is love, that can touch you like no one else in your heart of hearts. I walk deeper in and I watch the veils of light open. In my amazement, the light coming, I see a man standing in front of me, maybe 10, 15 feet away, arms outstretched, pure white garments of light, made up of this cloud, shimmering garments of light, robes of light. I see his hair is white, pure white, down to his shoulders, bare feet, arms of love reaching out towards me. But when I look at his face, the light's so bright, I literally turn away thinking it would just destroy me. I look back, it didn't harm me. To my amazement, I'm looking and going, goodness sake, that's God. It's the form of a man, same size as me, but he has the face of God. As I looked into his face, I could see like galaxies, constellations, star systems inside his countenance. How many heard that when Jesus spoke, the worlds came to existence? How many know that he spoke and, and literally created the heavens and earth? All things were created through him and for him. I'm seeing his face literally like the center of the cosmos, eternity within eternity in his face. But I'm going, his hair, that looks like Jesus, but Jesus ain't got white hair. He's got brown hair. Every stained glass window, every icon, every painting, every image I've ever seen of Jesus has got brown hair. But I'd never read the Bible. What does it say in Revelations chapter 1? John the island Patmos said, I saw him, one like the Son of Man. His head and his hair were white, like wool, like snow. His face shone like the sun in full strength. He said, don't be afraid I was dead. We're on a cross. But behold, I'm alive forevermore. I hold the keys of death and hell, death and Hades. I'm the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. How would you like to see Jesus in that form? Risen, glorified, arms of love, and, and actually inviting me to come closer. No shame, no guilt, absolute, unbelievable love and acceptance. I walked towards him. Waves of light came out of his face. Purity. I'd lost my purity and innocence as a young man looking for love. Instantly, I felt like I'd never had sex before in my life. Unbelievable. When I got mad on my honeymoon, I felt like I was a virgin, not a wannabe. I walked closer, and the light hit me, and pure holiness touched me. God is holy and pure. Would you like to feel that restored to you? I was blown out. I walked right up to him, and what was blowing me out, I couldn't, and I've only found one person even trying to attempt to do what I saw. This is a Korean girl on her iPad. I walked right up to see his face, and Jesus stepped to one side. The Bible says he is the door of life. Those who come to him should go in and, find, in and out and find green pastures. As Jesus stepped aside, I was expecting it to be clouds, people with white sheets, playing harps. <laughs> Fat little babies. <laughs> puffed up cheeks, firing arrows. Thank God Morgan Freeman wasn't there either. <laughs> He'd play God in so many movies, it lost count. They put my testament into a movie called The Perfect Wave. And Morgan Freeman said, look, I can't play God anymore, but I can get Clint Eastwood's son to play you. So Clint Eastwood play me. And he got Cheryl Ladd. Remember Charlie's Angel? Cheryl Ladd, everyone was in love with her before. Cheryl Ladd played me, uh, my mum. And I said, not me, that would be good. That would be a slight problem. <laughs> I said to Cheryl, I said, I watched all your Charlie's Angel stuff, you know what I mean? And while I was in love with you, she said, yeah, take a number. You know what I mean? <laughs> I said, what happened to you? She said, my mother prayed me into the kingdom. I went through Hollywood, divorced, trashed, and my mum prayed for me and I came back to the Lord. I can pray your mum. My mum prayed me in. She said, are you making any money from the movie? I said, no. She said, I'll do all the movie for free. 
So thank God I'm standing here in the presence of God looking into a new earth. How many would be quite excited by that one? I had no concept that God had created a new earth. Flowers, fields. Thank God nothing of mankind. Wouldn't that be a miracle? He hadn't trashed it. Crystal clear river. This is New Zealand too. <laughs> this is near home. <laughs> Can't swim at the base of this thing. And springs of living water. I stood in awe thinking, I'm home. Why wasn't I born here in the first place? Why was I born on this messed up planet? As I look up, I can see a new heaven. And guess what's in it? A new Jerusalem, the city of God. Parallel universe. Matrix. Quantum physics. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus then stepped right back in front of me. He said, Ian, do you wish to stay here or do you want to go back? What would you do? Melbourne? <laughs> or a, no sickness, no death, new heavens, new earth, no pain, new body. How many have suffered enough? So I said, I don't want to go back. I've got nothing to go back for. So he didn't move. I said, he needs more convincing. I said, I, got, I don't know anyone money. I've got no money. But anyhow, I'm not married. No children that I know of. I don't know. And I've no one back on earth who loves me. As I said that, I look back to say goodbye, cruel world. Avita Zane, Chu, Charles. As I look back, guess who appeared before me? How many love their mum? If she's sitting next to you, please put your hand up. <laughs> you can forgive her later. Anyhow, so I am looking at mother and thinking, my God, if I'm dead and I step through this door, the door into eternity will close and I won't find a way back. How will that affect mother? Will mother know that I prayed and her prayers were effective and I became a Christian in the ambulance? She, I said, no, nah, she won't have a clue. No ambulance driver, no mate, no diary. There's nothing to signify a changed life. I've made it, but this would actually break my mother's heart. I thought I've lived such a selfish life. I've helped a few old ladies across the street, with a little bit of money in the Red Cross, but basically I've done nothing except me. I should go back, tell mum what she believes in this real, and I'm sure I could come back here again. I was just checking. <laughs> How many know if you got there once, you want to make sure you get back there? Yeah. Thank God it's a gift. It's not earned, it's a free gift. Eternal life is a free gift. So I said, God, how do I go down, back down the tunnel? I look back, my father appeared next to my mum, my brother and sister, and hundreds of thousands of people. Some of them I recognised. As I'm looking at them, God said, I want you to go back and tell them also. I said, but I don't know them. I don't love them. I love my mum. He said, well, I love them. I want all of them to come to know me. Most won't step foot inside a church any longer to hear my name. I said, well, God, I'll go back for mum. I don't even know about all these other people. He said, if you return, you must see things in a new light from an eternal, heavenly perspective. How many know when you have a great exchange, you give your heart to God, what does God give to you? If you love someone, you give them your What did God give me? His heart. How many know that should wreck you in a good way? You see from eternity. You see, most of us have given maybe 10%, but if you give the whole heart to him, what ends up happening is that you then get on fire. Yeah. You live for eternity. Yeah. So I'm looking at him. My whole world's been changed. I said, God, how do I go down the tunnel back into that darkness and back into my body? He said, Ian, tilt your head. Now feel the liquid drain from your eye. Now, son, open your eye and see. As I'm speaking... My head's tilting, my eyes opening, and I'm lying on a slab in a morgue. I thought, well, it'd been easier if I'd floated down. <laughs> but Jesus spoke to Lazarus four days. Lazarus, come forth. Do you realize that God could speak to you and cancer could go like that? Yeah. He could t I've seen it. I've told people, stand up and walk. I've seen paraplegics and quadriplegics stand up and walk. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen deaf ears opened. One one word from God that's from the Holy Spirit, and that person's changed. So I literally lying on a slab with a doctor holding my foot with a scalpel pricking the base of my foot. This poor doctor thinks something's looking at him. It's me. <laughs> he turns, sees my one eye looking at him, and I can see the terror. 
He's thinking, has he got an evil eye? Because corpses do move after they die. They do twitch and make funny noises. Or is this guy alive? I hear God say, I've just given your life back. I said, God, could I look out the other eye? So I took my head to the left, and here are three nurses who worked on me in the A&E. They see me crash into each other and run with their ear Nikes, gone. <laughs> oh, well, that's not someone coming out of a coma. What the heck is going on? The doctor drops my foot, said, son, you've been dead for 15 to 20 minutes. We've done nothing to bring you back. I said, do I tell him what I've just seen? I thought, well, there was a movie called One Who Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. He feigned to be a nutter and they threw the key away, Jack Nicholson. I thought, if I tell him I've seen the guy upstairs with the white jacket and the white robes and the face like the sun, they'll have me in Prozac, injections, white jacket in a white room and, the, and it buckles up from behind. They'll section me. So I said, look, I'm, I, I, I'm not going to tell him. I lay there and said, God, I need another miracle. Three minutes, no oxygen. 15 to 20 minutes, I'll be a vegetable. So I prayed and power went through me like electricity and my entire body was healed in the next few hours, completely healed. Walked out of the hospital. The fishermen thought I was a ghost come back from the dead. These guys thought I was a spirit. They're in voodoo. These guys were involved in voodoo stuff. They, they saw me and knew I couldn't be alive. Began to see in the spirit world, angelic and demonic. I began to suddenly see and hear God in a very clear way. I flew back and said, God, what's happened to me? As I'm coming in, listening to men at work or super tramp, I can't remember. I'm a Walkman. <laughs> Cold Chisel were a great band too. So I'm, I'm listening to this and my Walkman. Anyone you know what a Walkman is? Three of you. <laughs> It's in Guardians of the Galaxy, you know what I mean? Good music. Here I am. Oh, I'm listening to this stuff. I'm asking God what's happened to me and who speaks right over the top of, of cold chisel or men at work or super drum, I can't remember. God. He said, son, you're a reborn Christian. I took off my, my headphones, looked around, no one. Put them back on, put my dark glasses on, I freaked out. I thought, Christian. Well, I'm not, I'm not wanting to sleep around. I'm not wanting to take drugs. I'm not even wanting to taste chicks. I don't even go to nightclubs. What's happening to me? That's what Christians do. I don't even know want to surf. Something's changed. Christian, reborn. I said, do you have to die and come back to life? He said, no, you were dead in your sins. But when you prayed the Lord's Prayer, you were born again in my spirit on that ambulance. I mean, no, that's good theology. So I said, what must I do now? He said, well, son, you need to read a Bible. I said, I don't have one. He said, your daddy's got one. And I asked my father for a Bible, and within six weeks, I read the entire Bible. As I'm reading it, I suddenly realize who Jesus is. I suddenly realize the light and the darkness, the revelation of Christ. I then begin to see that he died on the cross, but that's not the end of the story. That was the beginning. The cross was to take the blood and cleanse us. We come to the foot of the cross and repent. Then, thank God, when they buried him, the stone after three days rolled away. Resurrection power came into his body. And next minute, they will run, the disciples run in, and he's no longer here, he's risen. I'm then realizing he ascended into heaven. And the person I'd seen was in the heavenly realm, in the glory realm, and he has a face shining like the sun. I began to absolutely blow my mind that the Father's interceding for us, Jesus interceding. Every single part of me has been changed. He said, I'm coming back on a white horse to judge the world, but I am the resurrection and the life. I said, God, what must I do? He said, son, get baptized in water, get baptized in the Holy Spirit and go for it. I mean, I've been sharing this for 40 years. My prayer is that if you don't know Jesus, that you in your own heart of hearts would call out upon him. How can he forgive you? You've got to ask him. You have to forgive others. But thank God when Jesus died on the cross, he gave us an example. They crucified him, spat on him, and whipped him. His flesh ripped it off, and he said, Father, forgive them. What a great way. Follow, follow him. Forgiveness. Then he can heal the brokenhearted. Forgiveness doesn't say what they did was right. Forgiving other people takes the hatred, bitterness, and anger out of your spirit and allows God to come in and set you free. So I said, God, that's it. Within 12 months, I was literally out there preaching the gospel. 
walked off the farm and been following him ever since. I can't wait to go back. I didn't think it was going to be 40 years. So let's just pray. So somehow the truth that's been shared has touched your heart. Father, I just pray that you'd do that. You'd melt hearts. Lord, they need to see past me and see you. I pray, Lord, people will begin to see that you're alive, you are glorified, and that you can come and heal, save, forgive, cleanse, make whole. They no longer need to walk in darkness, and they know to lead to live in sin. They can be free. Because through the Son of God sets free is free indeed. I pray that you would melt hearts and somehow touch people supernaturally, even now. If you'd like to pray with me, please pray out loud this prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. I believe you died on the cross for me. You are the Son of God, the Lamb of God, who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus, take away my sins. Wash me as white as snow. Cleanse me with your precious blood. Set me free. Come into my life, Lord. I forgive others who have sinned against me. All those who have abused me, I forgive them. And I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I surrender my whole life to you. Lord, do a miracle in my life. Help me to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.